Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Thank you, Esteban. Y'all give it up for Esteban. Uh, just want to give a big shout out to everyone who is watching online uh, and also everyone from Albany who's watching online as we are meeting online uh, this entire month. I'm um, just excited that you guys are here and then also shout out to everyone here in person. Uh, you look great. You sound great. Uh, your hair looks good. And so does mine. Amen. I'm naming it and claiming it, right? So, um, hey, we are in a series called Freely Given, and I'm going to kind of dive straight into it today. Uh, we're in a series called Freely Given, where we are looking at our finances and how our finances reflect that of the kingdom of God. Uh, and ultimately, the reason we called this Freely Given is because Christ gave first to us. And so our response should be to bring Christ our first and our best. And last week was Church on the Lawn, which, by the way, did you guys have a great time with that? I had a fantastic, I was like, I didn't realize how many people were being baptized. And so that, it, it always gets me. And even in staff meeting Monday, I'm pretty sure I'm just like, oh, people got baptized. And I just started crying in the middle of a meeting, which tends to happen a lot lately. And I'm embracing it. Um, and I'm okay with that. But two weeks ago, we actually kicked off this series called Freely Given, uh, and, and it kind of laid the groundwork. We looked at, at uh, Luke and then Matthew's take of, of Jesus saying, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything, but seek first the kingdom of God. And there's a few things that, that we said uh, that I want to kind of lay as a groundwork for today. Um, the first thing that, that we said is everything that we have is God's. Like everything, our job, our car, our house, or our apartment, uh, our MTA pass, it's all God's. Maybe not the MTA pass. But, um, and then the, the other thing that we said is that if we look at our finances, our finances are an MRI or a CAT scan of the condition of our heart. Because where we're giving our first and where we're giving our best is, is ultimately uh, going to show if we open up our checking account or we look at our credit card statements and, and we really see, okay, this is where my first and best is going to. And I said this audacious statement, and some of you guys may disagree with me, uh, and that's okay. I'll argue about it, but we all tithe in this room. Everyone tithes in this room. The question is, to what or to whom are you tithing to? To what or to whom are you tithing to? Um, my hope throughout all of this, and, and just so you know, we're not taking an offering after this. Um, my hope through all of this is that God deals with our heart in relation to our finances and out of the abundance of our heart that we then respond in obedience to what it is that God has invited us to do. The mission of the kingdom should reflect where our money goes. And, and this is not about like, give me your money type, type thing. I want to make that very clear. But the mission of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God that he is in the process of establishing, our finances should reflect that of what God has done and what God is 
doing. And so if you got your Bibles, uh, the bulk of today is going to be in Colossians chapter 1. We're not going to go there yet. First, I want to invite you uh, to John chapter 1. That's where we're going to start. And normally I like to take one passage of scripture and kind of just teach on one passage. Today I'm actually using a multiple uh, passages of scripture. So if you got your Bible, you can flip around. It'll, it'll be good exercise for you. It's like Bible drills. Um, so we're going to be doing that a little bit today. And the reason is because I want to lay the groundwork uh, for where we're going to go next week. All right. And so um, one, one of the things a, a few weeks ago the trustees and myself, we, we had a meeting. We've actually had several meetings um, here about the finances at Res Church, and, uh, and we will talk more about that at a later date, at a later time. Uh, but one of the things that the Lord laid on my heart, uh, and, and I was sharing this with Bishop, is that we as a church need to look at the next five years and where God is bringing us, whether it's through church planting or through outreaches, um, and then allow the finances of the church to reflect the vision that we believe God has given us. And, and I love the trustees here. And I just want to, you know, if you don't know who they are, I just want to give a big shout out to them. Um, because they are men who love God, who want to honor God, and who want to, to see the kingdom of God established in Brooklyn, in Staten Island, in Albany, and beyond. And, and my question for us is, are we lining up our finances with the direction or the vision that God has given us for our personal lives in relation to the kingdom of God? How are we prioritizing the vision that God has given to us? And, and we've probably met people or we know people who they have this grand elaborate idea and, and they want to maybe start a business or they want to invest into an NFT or into crypto, which we'll see how that's going to go. Um, they, they maybe want to buy their, a, a new vehicle or a used vehicle, right? But then you see the way that they spend their finances and you can clearly see that they're not prioritizing the dream or the thing that they are pursuing in their life. Oftentimes, though, that's how it is with us as followers of Jesus Christ. And then the danger of it, there's another danger. The danger is we got a little bit of success. We got a little bit of wealth. We've got a little bit of, of money coming in. And what happens is, is we look at what God has given us and we become closed-fisted with it. We, we start saying like, things like, I, I've got to protect my future. I, I've got to protect my family. I've got to protect um, the things that I have. And I said this two weeks ago, there's nothing that you own that is not going to end up being sold in a garage sale or end up in a dump. There's nothing. And what happens is, is we become closed-fisted and we say, this is mine. Don't touch it. Back up. I'll smack you. You know, maybe you guys aren't like that, but I've met people that are like that. How often do we do this as a church? How often do churches say, this is mine. I've got to protect the pew. I bought this pew. We don't have pews here. That's why I'm using that as an example, right? Um, but this is mine, and, and, and you, you can't touch that. Meanwhile, Jesus asked the disciples to be open-handed. And there's a difference because being closed-fisted will create pride and greed in our heart, and being open-handed will create obedience and generosity in our heart for the sake of the kingdom. And my challenge for us today and for next week is that we would be open-handed with the resources that God has given us because they're not ours in the first place. We are simply stewards of what it is that God has 
allowed us or entrusted us to be good stewards of. And this is why our response should be to bring Jesus our first and best in light of what it is that God has done for us. And, and, and here's the thing. We said this last week, and this is all kind of my recap, all right? We said this, or two weeks ago we said this, is that, that Jesus is the number one priority, like, whether he's your priority or he's not your priority, Jesus is good, Jesus is great, and he is the first and the best. And, and, and like, you've got your priorities, I've got my priorities, and maybe it's paying off debt, maybe it's buying a new car, maybe it's going to school, maybe it's saving for that other apartment that you want, whatever it may be on your priority list. What I'm trying to convey to us is that Jesus is the pen and the paper that we write our priorities with. He is first and best. And, and Jesus, what I love about Jesus is he talks a whole lot about money, but he never took an offering. He never took an offering. But he talks a whole lot about money 2,000 years ago. And, and, and oftentimes in the church, we don't talk about money because we get fearful or we don't want people to, to go away. And, and, you know, if you're new here, know that I'm not going to get up here every week and talk about money. Just this week and next week, and then we'll move on to First Peter, all right? Um, which we'll probably talk about money at some point again, too, you know, just. But, but the reason Jesus talked about it is because money grips our heart more than anything else. And it's very easy for the dollars in our bank account or the dollars on Coinbase that we've got or, or the dollars in our stock market or our 401k end up becoming the idol that ends up replacing the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. This is why many of you, you go out and you just got compulsion spending. It's like because buying that new shirt or buying those new shoes, it makes you feel good. It's like I got something new. I'm bougie. All right? Like, and, what, and there's nothing wrong with buying new things. Look, this is a new shirt that I'm sweating all over. And, and, um, and so there's nothing wrong with buying new things. But, but what I'm saying is whenever our compulsions, whenever our finances, whenever those things end up replacing the lordship of our life and other things end up getting our first and our best, we have idolized our money. And that's why Jesus went after this so much. Because the same problem in Jewish culture 2,000 years ago is the exact same problem we are facing and experiencing today in American Western culture. And so for order for us to understand our money, and this is where I'm going, we have to understand who God is. We have to understand who God is. And, and this is something that I just want to kind of remind us all about. God is not surprised about things that happen in our world. I, I know oftentimes we are surprised. We're surprised about the war in Ukraine. God is not surprised. Whenever COVID hit, God already knew that that was going to happen. It, it wasn't like... COVID happened and God was like, oh my gosh, caught off guard. Jesus, Holy Spirit, let's have a council meeting right now. We're going to have a board meeting up in heaven to determine we didn't see this coming. No, God saw it coming. The, the issues you're facing in your life, God saw it coming. And, and the reason he saw it coming is because his, he is preeminent, he is supreme, and he is above all things. Jesus is good and great. And in John chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 3. And what I love about this is it correlates with Genesis chapter 1, uh, which, which if you want to go back and read in your own time, you can. But it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word being Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so in the beginning, we see right out the gate, we see that Jesus was there in the beginning. Verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And I just want to read this, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And so Jesus was in the beginning before we were. Jesus was in the beginning before our stress was, was, was there, before we were dealing with anxiety. Jesus was in the beginning before the foundation of this world. And, and for whatever reason, and, and look, I'm going to go somewhere, and if it offends you, please know that it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. Um, it, like, we have, we have decided in our culture today that we don't like the character and the definition, the biblical definition of who God is. And so what we do is we pick and choose who God is and we try to shape him in our own image. And can I just say how foolish that is? How foolish that is. And, and, and I don't know why we think that, that 2,000 years later after Jesus was walking this earth, we, you know, we're a lot smarter and we've got technology and we've got Apple and Android and obviously Apple is better than Android. We've got, you know, we've got these things over here. So let's just redefine the way God's creative order was. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. And, and here's the thing. Our image of God is often not the image of God that's in the Bible. He is a holy God. He is a righteous God. He is a just God. He is a gracious God. He is a merciful God. And he also gave first. He gave first. The reason we give is because God gave first. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believeth in him may not perish but have everlasting life. You didn't earn your way into heaven. It was given to you through Jesus Christ. You didn't earn your way to sanctification or to righteousness. It was given to you through Jesus Christ. But so often in our lives, we catch ourselves in this rat race where we are trying and pursuing more out there. We're trying to get more things. We're trying to satisfy our broken hearts. We're trying to fill an empty hole. And we forget that Jesus is the only one that can fill that. Jesus is the only one that can satisfy us. And what I want to say today, and if you want to, this is the title of my message, and that was not all my intro, I promise you, I'm preaching now. Jesus is the more that you are looking for. Jesus is the more that you and I are looking for. And there isn't a dollar that you can spend that's going to end up satisfying that. There isn't a thing that you can buy that's going to end up satisfying that. There isn't a drug that you can do that's going to end up satisfying that. The only person who can satisfy that, that thirst, that unquenching thirst that you've got inside your soul, that, 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 that the, the idea and the thought of, of out in heaven, like there's got to be something more, it is, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is king. He is King. And, and, and so when we look at bringing our first and our best, when we look at tithing, if you don't know what tithing is, tithing is, it is 
of, of what we make. And we're going to talk more specifically about that next week and how it applies to us. But this is not just an Old Testament thing. This is something that we see throughout the scripture. This actually started happening before the Levitical law was even written. People were tithing to the temple, tithing to the tabernacle, to the priest, to the the house of God where the spirit of God ended up dwelling. And in that culture, it was much more, um, I would say, daunting or uh, very easy very easy for fear to kind of creep in because they didn't necessarily have, I mean, they didn't have Apple Pay and they didn't have dollars, which I, I don't know how, you know, our dollar isn't worth a dollar anymore anyway. So um, another talk, another day, um, send your email complaints to Santi, I'm not trying to get political, just stating the facts, all right? Um, but, but back then, what would happen is a farmer would go out and he would plant seeds, he would Uh, then water it and try to yield a crop, and then he would harvest the crop. And whenever he had his harvest, he would then take 10% of what it was, and he would bring it to the temple or to the tabernacle unto the Lord in response of what God has done for them and what God was doing for them. Now, in our day and age, we can go down to the bodega across the street, and we can go get a fantastic bacon, egg, and cheese on a hard roll with mayonnaise. Can I get an amen? Esteban, come on, don't leave me hanging. Don't leave me hanging. Like, Carlos, where are you, Carlos? Y'all know, it's so good. It's so good. We have food readily at our fingertips, almost, all right? It wasn't that way back in Jesus' time. It wasn't that way in the Old Testament. What would happen is the farmer would literally have to trust that God was preeminent, with the food that they had in order to survive. That that requires a lot of trust. That requires a lot of faith, which is why we have to understand the character and the nature and the preemacy of God and who he is. So that being said, let me jump to Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. It says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, there's that word first again, of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him. And he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. There's that word that we've been talking about. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And I love this verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Like, what I love about this passage is that God created all things for his glory and for our joy. God is in all things, and sometimes we may not see it, but he is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
And if we call ourselves a disciple of Jesus Christ and we are walking in obedience and we've literally allowed a regeneration of our heart to take place, God is working all things together for your good and for his glory. And, and, and like this is, this is why I've got to say, like we've got this idea that we create wealth. We've got this idea that we've, we've got a bunch of stuff. We, we've got this idea that, you know, I, I can do this and I can fix that. And, and yes, we do need to work. Yes, we need to be wise with our finances. Yes, we need to be good stewards. But everything that we have is his. Everything, the breath in our lung is his. He is preeminent. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And I love that. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or rulers, all things were created through him and for him. You were created for him. You were created for him. And, and so recently we've seen the uh, James Webb Telescope come out with some fantastic images. And I, I want you to understand, we're going to show some pictures in just a moment. And you, yeah, you can come on up, Moses. Moses is going to make it really spacey. I asked him to do this, all right? Um, but when we pray at night, we're not praying to little baby Jesus Talladega night style, all right? Some of y'all weren't even born whenever that movie came out, and that's probably a good thing. We're, we're not praying to an idol or to a statue that's dead. We are praying to a star-breathing God who at the mention of his name, all heaven and earth and the demons in hell tremble. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord on high. Isaiah 6, the train of his robe fills the temple. The seraphim are flying around him, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. This is the God we are invited to commune with. This is a God that we are invited to worship with. This is the God that we are invited to live life with and not just live life with, but he wants to live and dwell and speak and move in you and through you. He wants you to be in him and him in you. And so James Webb Telescope, new telescope, better than the Hubble Telescope, comes back. If we can actually dim these lights and if we could show this image, just the, the first image. I've just got three images for you guys. Now, what they did is they went out there and they, they started shooting at the exact same images of the Hubble telescope. But what they saw and the clarity that came back was the, literally the highest quality image in our modern world. And God created that. How about this image right here? I want you to look at the different, not solar systems, the different galaxies and universes. 
that are just having a, almost like a magical dance and the glory of God is right there. Or, or how about this image right here? Like, that's a little sobering. It's a little sobering to, to think about that. And God created that. God created that. He spoke in the beginning. There was a void. And when he spoke, the void, the darkness was filled with light. And that is who we are invited to worship. That's, that's who we are invited to commune with. And so whenever we have a right understanding of who God is in our life, whenever we have a right understanding of his sovereignty and of his preeminency, of, of his power, of his majesty, when things hit us financially and we've got a right perspective of a God that created that, there's a little bit of peace that starts to settle in. A little bit of peace that starts to settle in. It says, hey, Michael, you may not have yourself, but I've got you. I knew this was going to happen. I knew that this was going to happen. What I'm asking you is because I gave to you, I'm asking you to respond by bringing your first and your best. Proverbs chapter 3 says this. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Like, I, I want that. I, I, I want that. And, and hear me out. This is not prosperity. And I'm going to say this next week. This isn't a promise of prosperity. This is a promise of presence. And there's a huge difference right here. Like, I want to experience my barns being filled with plenty, that I lack nothing because of who God is. I want to experience the vats bursting with wine and a new wine that is coming from our Heavenly Father. I, I want to be able to walk in a place where I can experience the abundance and the joy that Jesus died for. Because if not, it's in vain. And, and I don't want it to be that my murdered Savior died in vain because I'm arrogant and I'm prideful and I've elevated something else as Lord over my life. I, I want it to be that I can honor him with my time. I can honor him with my family. I can honor him with my wife. I can honor him with the church. And I can honor him with my finances because he alone is good. He alone is preeminent. And God, I want and need you daily. There's, the, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip forward in some of my notes. I just want to read, and I've, and I've read, you, you know this story. This is Mark chapter 10.
And he was sitting, this is verse 17, and he was sitting out on his journey. And a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit good life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. Now let me, let me just pause right there because that is a powerful statement that just took place. This, this rich ruler runs up and he acknowledges the divinity of Jesus. He acknowledges the lordship of Jesus. He, he runs to him and says, good teacher. And Jesus' response was, hold on, why do you call me good? Because no one is good except for God alone. And, and so by this man calling him good, we can perceive that he is acknowledging that God is Jesus and Jesus is God. And, and, and somehow, which we don't understand, they're, they're both the same but, but different. But, but this guy in front of me, Jesus, like, you're good. You're, you're good. And, and he says this in, in verse, um, verse 19. He says, well, let me, why do you call me good? No one is good except God, verse 19. And you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your mother and father. Children, please mark that, highlight it, circle it, make that really, really, really big. They're all downstairs. And he said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Notice that Jesus loved him looking at him, loved him, and he said, you lack one thing, one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come, follow me. Come and follow me. And disheartenedly by the saying, he went away sorrowful, and he had for he had great possessions. And then I just want to read this. I'm going to jump back to this. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples were amazed at his word, but Jesus said to them, children, how delightful it is to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 25, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And a lot of theologians, a lot of scholars, they've all debated, what does that mean? What is Jesus talking about? This is what it means. You ready? It is literally easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is someone who their Lord is their wealth and their money to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what it means. Now, this, this man, this rich, young man, is like many of us, many of us where we are sitting here and we're desiring more. We even say things, we want more of Jesus. We want more of his blessings, more of his abundance, more of his presence. We want to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But for many of us, we have that one thing, that one thing that we will not let go for some of us it is our money for some of us we have not surrendered our finances to the lordship of Jesus Christ 
Well, that's, that was awkward. That was, uh, Hey, so it happens, right? <laughs> For some of us, we'll see if uh, Moses gets the keyboard fixed and makes it spiritual again. But let's, let's, there we go. Oh, there we go. All right. Hey, you just got to embrace those moments in life, right? Going back to the preeminency of Christ, Jesus knew that was going to happen right there. And who knows, maybe that was him just saying yes and amen, all right? And for everyone watching on the live stream, I don't know if you just experienced that, but that was a holy moment and an awkward moment right there. <laughs> all right, for some of us, we are looking for that more. And I just want to, I want to leave us with this. Jesus is that more that we are looking for. And whenever we can fully surrender our hearts, whenever we can fully surrender our lives, whenever we can fully surrender our finances over to him, we don't get the promise of prosperity. We get the promise of his presence. We get the promise of being unshakable whenever life is thrown at us. We get the promise that whenever the stock market crashes or cryptocurrency falls, that God is enthroned above all and he has me. And we do this because he first gave. He first gave and out of response, we bring him our first and our best. And so I wanna close out and just remind us of Colossians chapter one, verses 19 and 20. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or on earth by making peace by the blood of the cross. Whenever we stop and we just have a chance, thank you, sir to just reflect on the goodness of God and what he's done. I, I think about my life. I think about the brokenness that I've had. I was talking to Pastor Victor this morning and he said he was really, um, I guess, captivated by what Lauren, who we had our leaders gathering yesterday and it was incredible. Lauren opened the day with talking about how she was girl who was thrown out and had gone through abuse and all this stuff and here she was mid-30s and God had redeemed and reconciled and restored her family. Christ did that. She didn't do anything. And Christ did it on the cross by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demand. Colossians 2. Christ is the more that we are looking for. And I want to encourage all of us to embrace that and to respond. For some of us, our response is giving him our heart, truly, today, repenting of our sins. For some of us, it's going to be um, 
going before God and, and saying, Lord, I, I, I've been dealing with offense or I've been dealing with jealousy or I've been very arrogant or I've been very prideful and I need to lay this before your altar right now. For, for some of us, it's, it's going to be responding by trusting God with our finances and bringing our first and bringing our best and allowing his presence to in, in, encounter us. For some of us, it's going to be saying, hey, God, I need to lay down my pornography addiction. I, I need to lay down um, the, the lust that I've been dealing with. I, I need to lay down this area over here. Don't let that one thing keep you back from what it is that God is trying to do in your life. And the same thing goes for me. And so I'd like us all to just stand and I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I just, just want to do this a little different today. If you need prayer, you need to surrender your heart to God. You, you need to rededicate your life to God. You need to lay down that one thing to God. You need to trust God with your finances. Man, I, I want to challenge you. I want to implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God today. To be reconciled to him because he's that more that you are looking for. And, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to close out and pray. And the worship team's going to play a song. And there's going to be people up here that want to pray with you. And if you would, I just want to encourage you to take that step of prayer, that step of faith, and come up here and to get prayed for. Maybe to say yes to Jesus. Maybe to surrender that one thing in your heart. Maybe to lay something down at the altar and allow the presence of God to move and to manifest itself. And so let me pray. And Pastor Victor, I want you to know if you feel led to do anything, um, feel free to do that. And then we're gonna take communion in just a few moments as response to the word and to the cross. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, you are a good, star-breathing, holy, magnificent, preeminent God. And Father, sometimes it's so easy for us to, to miss it. Sometimes it's so easy for us to allow the busyness of life to just distract us and to pull us off. But God, I just ask that in this moment, right here, right now, that your presence would be here, that you would speak your love would be made manifest, Father. Let there be a heart of repentance that falls on us, God. And so, Father, we love you. We worship you. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.